so Stan, who are you? I, 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 I don't even really know you. Who I, are you? I don't know me either. <laughs> I don't even know what I want to be when I grow up. Yet. <laughs> How do you stay in one place for 28 years and just keep going? What does it take to do that? We'll talk about that, though. I can't give away my secrets. You're listening to the Stan Rada Podcast, featuring the man with the best beard in ministry. And now, here he is, your host, Stan Rada. Hey, what's going on, Rada Podcast Nation? Welcome back to the Stan Rada Podcast. I am your host, Stan Rada. This is episode 52 of the show. And this is a good one because my friend Sean Lovejoy has decided to join me for the show. We're going to be talking about Courage to Lead uh, and what he is doing with Courage to Lead. He recently told me he is having the time of his life. And uh, so he's going to share with us what it is he's doing that uh, has brought him into a place of this is the time of his life. And uh, so I'm really excited to chat with him. And I can't wait for you all to be a part of that conversation as well. Hey, by way of announcement really quick, if you have not had a chance or you haven't heard, I would love for you to head over to stanrider.com, sign up for my weekly email. I take a little bit of time each week, find some great content from around the web that has to do with ministry and leadership, and I plug all those into an email. I send them out to you for free every Friday morning. Just have some great content that shows up in your email inbox. And as a way of saying thanks for being a part of that email list, um, I'm also going to give you a link to download my ebook for free, The Art of Self Leadership. Uh, so you can head over to stanrada.com. Right on the bottom of the homepage is an option uh, to uh, jump onto that email list, and you'll get your link to download uh, that ebook. Hey, I'm really excited again about uh, episode 52 here with Sean Lovejoy, uh, author, pastor, uh, speaker. Uh, This guy's fantastic. And so I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to get out of the way. Uh, We are going to jump right into that conversation with Sean Lovejoy. All right, with me now uh, on the show is Sean Lovejoy. Sean, how are you doing today, my friend? Great, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. I almost wore a Nebraska shirt for you today just to help you see the the light, but I didn't know if it'd work or not. Hey, congrats on the new hire. I don't know <laughs> when this uh, is being released, but it should be a great year for Cornhusker football. I'm I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Hey, um, now I wanted to get into some stuff right away with you. Um, I, I was listening to you at Exponential. You were talking through Courage to Lead and... Um, systems, teams, and cultures. And when we talked a couple weeks ago, you said something um, that caught my attention and I wanted to ask you about it. You said, I'm having the time of my life right now. And uh, I just wanted to, to ask you about that. What are you doing right now that's the time of your life? Tell, tell me about that. Well, I refer to myself as a spiritual entrepreneur um, these days. You know, I, I worked in the real estate business, made a six-figure income in my early 20s, left that to go into ministry, started a church in my living room, became a mega church, started a coaching ministry, you know, all of that. The coaching ministry really became even larger than the church, and it was kind of a drawing and pulling on my life. I really feel like there are some of us that were good players, were even better coaches. Hmm. Carrie off as a friend, we're similar in that way. Um, and so I, I, I love being a coach. I love pastoring pastors, you know, I'm even yeah. mentoring, coaching some executive marketplace leaders, you know, right now. And that's as personally fulfilling for me as anything, that's helping awesome. them stay sane, centered and married while they lead these, you know, high octane organizations. Yeah. But of course that's really, really important for pastors. I really feel like I'm a pastor to pastors and I, I love that. 
That's awesome. So I literally, you know, have the time of my, my life, um, right now, just, just leading leaders. That's, that's what I do. That's who I am. And we coach leaders through what keeps them up at night. That's awesome. You know? Well, tell, tell me more about that. You call that, uh, you call it courage to lead. You've got coaches in your network who are helping other leaders. You're doing it yourself. Tell me, tell me more about what you do with courage to lead kind of that process of coaching other, other leaders, pastoring pastors. Yeah. Well, of course, if you and I had a dime for every pastor that went into consulting, we would both be rich men, you know, (laughs) but I think the most God driven, brilliant genius, you know, idea he ever gave me when I launched this thing was not to build it all around me. Hmm. to build it around a mission, not a man. So I really felt called during a period of 21 days in prayer and fasting in my own life and my own church to not build this around my experience and my knowledge and my resume and whatever, but to really build a coaching ministry that was scalable and accessible to every leader in America. Yeah. So we've been able to do that. So we can work with small organizations, large organizations. I'm not just a guy who goes around and does three or four large organizations at a time. Yeah. I do that. But now we have, at the time of this recording, 17 other coaches, yeah. you know, some who lead mid, mid-range organizations, young organizations. Some have been at it a very, very long time. You know, some who are better, you know, focusing on the organizational systemic end of things. Some that are more on a personal level, the way they're wired. And so really based upon any leader's needs, any organization's needs, I'm able to get them a great coach. We don't have any full-time consultants. I'm the only one of those. Yeah. That will be relevant one day soon. <laughs> All of my other, you know, coaches are practitioners. Like they are successful right now in their own right. They're leading great ministries and or organizations. And so they lead as, you know, I've, I've equipped them to be a coach, but they lead as much out of their own experience and knowledge base as, as what I've imparted to them. Yeah. A lot of them with larger organizations than I ever did. Yeah. One of those guys so, is, is uh, Matt, Matt Adair, correct? Is Matt Adair yeah. working with you? Okay. Yeah. I just yeah. had him on the show as well. We talked, uh, we spent uh, probably 45 minutes actually talking about leadership development and it was a great conversation. And so I think I saw him on your website. So I was really excited to chat with him as well. Cause I knew the two of you were connected. And so I thought, man, that's going to be a great conversation um, on leadership development. So Um, let's get back to, uh, that exponential conversation. Um, and, uh, you had talked about exponential and, and kind of the Todd Wilson stuff. You were talking through systems, teams, and culture, um, at exponential. And the one that really caught my attention was systems. And the reason why, uh, was because I'm, I'm sure other people have said something similar, but I know Carrie Newhoff recently said something to the effect of churches are not growing beyond 200, not because they don't care about God, not because they don't love their community, not because they're not obedient to the gospel, but because their systems are just kind of a mess. Um, so why don't you speak into the topic of systems and why systems are important, um, why poor systems are frying pastors um, because they're burning out, keeping it all <laughs> inside of their mind. Um, wh- why don't you just speak to systems for a little while and let's talk about building quality systems into, into our ministries and churches. Well, I'd love to do that. I'm passionate about it. You know, I was a senior, I was a church planter and senior pastor of a mega church, but I always felt like an executive pastor trapped in a senior pastor's body <laughs> um, because I love spreadsheets and I love database management systems. Oh, you're and, one of those, you know, and all of that. So I, I love, I love details yeah. and that's weird 
you know, looking back now, a lot of my, my, a lot of my great friends were business administrators and uh, executive pastors because we love systems and details. So that ministers to me, but I love to, I love to back out one step, if you will. Yeah. Talk about, you know, what I can prove to you statistically. I don't think we should overcomplicate it. There's a reason why most ministries and organizations are not growing in all my years of coaching leaders and organizations. I can really bull every tension. And every reason why a ministry or organization is growing or not growing down to three things. I call them the gears of growth. Hmm. They're three separate but interdependent systems. We've, I think we've heard the words, most of us, but we don't understand their interdependence with each other. The three gears of growth consist of the right culture, the right team, the right systems. And all three of these have got to be healthy in order in, in order for a ministry and organization to grow. By the way, I got the idea for this out of this really cool book. You ought to try it sometime called The Bible. Oh, great. It's all, it's all there in the book of Acts. I mean, you had you had this this attractive magnetic culture in the early church. Like these different these people from different races and religions are calling each other brother and sister. Hmm. And, and they, they had favor with people inside the church, but outside the church. And there was an attractive life-giving culture there. Then you had a high-performing, highly aligned, unified team. Sometimes we, we sell the disciples short. You know, we talk about Peter being a fisherman, and he was dumb, and stick his foot in his mouth. Well, filled with the Holy Spirit, that preached his first sermon, and thousands of people get saved. Okay. I can honestly say I never preached a sermon where thousands of people got saved at one time. Okay. The guy could preach and yeah. Paul was a genius, you know, so he didn't yeah. just pick a team breathing people and put them on payroll. You know, he picked people who had amazing potential and then systems. The, one of the most, the most amazing thing perhaps of the early church is you have thousands of people joining every day, largely without a lot of anxiety and stress. Yeah, because they had a simple structure and simple steps to move people from the crowd to the core, and everybody knew what their next spiritual step was. You know, they they met in the large gathering. That's where they were usually introduced to the teachings of Jesus. Then they moved them into homes where they broke bread together, ministered to each other. The pastoral care was taken care of there, largely without a lot of stress. When you get to Acts chapter 6, the church is growing at such a rapid rate, multiplying. It says there were rumblings of discontent. Hmm. See, that happened in fast organ organizations. What do they yep. do? They look at their structure and their team and their culture. They realign their structure, and then the church grows in numbers and lives in peace You know, going forward. They select new leaders, a new leadership structure, and going forward. Here's what Andy Stanley said to me, one of, who was one of my coaches for seven or eight years. He said, Sean, every church is perfectly structured for the results they're getting now. Hmm. Now, just think about that for a minute. Yep. There's a reason why we're running 200 or 300 or 400 or 4,000. Right. It's because we're structured to run that. Yep. And most of us, I think, we're, like we're waiting on God to grow our ministries when I think he's waiting on us hmm. to structure for growth. Now, I, I think there's a big difference between pre presuming on growth and preparing for growth, you know, to presume on growth put, puts it all on God to, to prepare for growth, you know, is, is a partnership between us and the Lord. I, I can't tell you that we'll ever be a church of 3000, but I can tell you what it will take to prepare to be a church of 3000. Hmm. 
And I am convinced God will not send us more people than we can handle. Based yes. upon his t teachings in the Gospels, Jesus is not going to entrust us with more than we can be faithful with. Yes. So if we don't have a budget, if we don't have a church database management system, if we don't have a way for acknowledging first-time givers and extremely generous people in our church and have systems in place to be good stewards of those people and gifts, if the only way somebody can get saved in our church is to meet with me, hmm, right? then I'm the bottleneck on how many people who can get saved in our churches I can meet with and lead to the Lord. That, that I am not scalable. So I have to build systems that prepare and position and posture our ministry so that Jesus can pour out his spirit and bless our church. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you. Speak, keep, keep going on that though. Get, get practical with me now for those guys who maybe they're not you. They're not the, the, the data spreadsheet Excel guy. We're fortunate in the Washington DC area. A lot of our guys who attend are they work at the Pentagon. They are engineers for Boeing. They, uh, they're, you know, secret service. I mean, these guys know systems and culture and it is precise. And, uh, and they come in and they go, they can identify in, in a split second, this system is wrong. This system is wrong. This system is wrong. Like, and they can come in and either support it or go find another church, I guess. But speak to the guy uh, who's leading a ministry and maybe they're trying to identify what it is that's missing. And maybe they're not that engineer type and they're trying to build a system. Just kind of speak practically to them about a next step. Okay, here's how you now jump forward in, in your culture, your teams, your systems, kind of building that. Kind of speak into them uh, practically. Yeah, so I'll share out of my own frustrations. When I started my church, everyone told me, said, Sean, you're going to need good systems. I, will, I did not consider myself. Other people around me didn't even consider me a highly administrative person. But um, <laughs> I... Nobody told, everybody told me I needed systems, but nobody told me what a system was or how to build it. So a lot of our coaching today focuses on helping guys understand the blocking and tackling of what a system is hmm. and how to build systems from scratch. But in essence, I believe anyone can become great at building systems. And I've helped guys and gals who really stink at administration and details become really good systems builders. Okay. So pr foundationally, here's all you need to know to build a system. Okay. okay. Here's, first, here's my definition of a system. Good. My definition of a system is a bridge that moves things and people from where they are to where they need to be. So the reason a budget is a system is because it takes the money that's coming in to the organization and funnels it where it needs to be. Right. It's not constricting it's actually, you know, provides a lot of safety. It's like the plumbing right. in our homes. You know, the water comes in from a water main. You know, well, nobody ever says, well, the plumbing is so restrictive in our home. No, <laughs> if, you, if you take the plumbing out of the house, it, water floods the house. Right. You know, so it, it provides safety and freedom and flexibility to build systems that moves things and people from where they are to where they need to be, where God wants them to be then all I really need to know is two things. And I can write this on a post-it pad with my team and we can build a system. I need to know where things are, where people are, yep. and then where we want them to be. Yep. And then I need to create simple steps all along the way that move them from where they are to where they need to be. For example, most churches have a small group ministry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Most are not successful 
right. or optimized or realized their potential with their small group ministry? The answer is not small groups versus Sunday school. It's really right. not. I, I can point to churches that are still being very successful at Sunday school in yeah. terms of what the system is intended to provide and accomplish. I can show you churches that do small groups well and very, very badly, you know, and are very, very successful in building societies and very unsuccessful. What do they have in common? They both have clearly identified where people are, where they want them to be, where they think they need to be, and they've created simple steps to move them from where they are to where they need to be. So here's an example of a bad process or bad system. Most people have small groups, okay? So their idea of a small group ministry is to put a pixelated picture of a small group leader on a website, you know, with their email or phone number, ask an introverted person, which Myers-Briggs, by the way, says, historically speaking, over 25 years of giving the test, 51% of people are introverts. So if you're introverted, mm. you are in the majority. You're just quieter, wow. but you're yeah. in the majority. Speak up. Wow. Rise, introverts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A bad system is asking 51% of people to call a stranger, mm. invite them on the internet, invite themselves into their home, show up at night, knock on their door and say, hi, we're here to have community with you. Yeah. That, that's a bad, bad process and system. Really, it's no system at all. Yeah. So what do I need to do if people are introverted and disinterested in community, I don't begin my small group announcement with, hey, welcome to so-and-so church. If you're interested in a small group, plug in the blank. Visit our website. Bad idea. It's not going to happen. You're not going to be successful. Hmm. What do I need to do? What are the simple, small steps and exposures I could offer to an introverted, disinterested in community person to get turned on to, to, to small groups? I'll tell you what we did. We created in our ministry a simple environment called um, Connection Group. It was a two-week commitment on campus where we invited people to be introduced to their neighbors in the community. And we said, hey, come hang out with us. We'll have food, two-week commitment. We'll take care of the kids. I'll be there. I'll introduce you to some leaders in our church. We had small group leaders recruited in advance. And we'll connect you with some other new people um, in our church. You need to know some new people. It's going to work well for you personally and professionally to have friends and to know who your neighbors are. So we're asking, we're just asking you to give it a shot, two weeks. And in hopes that you enjoy hanging out with those people enough, you, you might move out into a home with them and become what we call a life group long-term. Well, when we stumbled onto that simple step, we started assimilating 300, 400, as many as 500 people at a time in a two-week period into small groups be because we utilized the power of the simple step. Hmm. So I can't tell you like how to build a system because I don't know what you're really trying to accomplish. Yeah. I don't know what kind of disciple you're trying to make, but I can tell you how to build a system if you simply know two things where things and people are now, where they need to be, yeah. where you think God wants them to be, and then begin to try to close the chasm, you know, between the two. Let's take volunteerism in our churches, okay? Hey, if you're interested in volunteering at our church, well, most people are not interested in volunteering <laughs> in the church, okay? 80% of people are disconnect from Christ and it's all about them. Right. So 
we've got to change the way we think about getting people to volunteer in the church. And they're not going to do it because we need it done. Right. Not interested in that. Okay. The best generation ever, World War II, was interested in meeting those needs at at face value. And we're willing to just commit for face value until Jesus comes back. The the millennials, you know, are not going to do that in our church. So we've got to create a value proposition for them. Yep. We've got to help them understand the value for their own personal life to serve God. And in the context of the local church, we've got to create that argument. And then we've got to create simple opportunities that expose them to the different ways you can serve God in the church. Most of them do not consider themselves candidates for ministry. Yeah, right. They've disqualified themselves because of their own knowledge base, their experience, their their scars. Yep you know, their character, whatever, we've got to establish, you know, their credibility to be able to serve God right where they are. And then one of the biggest lies from hell I ever believed is that if we just assimilate people, Hmm. we close the back door of the church, but it won't happen. If we don't have systems built and leaders in place where we care and regularly invest into those people, just because they sign a covenant, if they're not finding value out of it, if they're not invested into Right. If they're not, you know, led by a high-performing, trained leader, then they're going to fall through the cracks. I mean, handing out worship guides is sexy for about two weeks. You know, parking cars, I mean, you're going to get flipped off in the parking lot twice your first Sunday to serve. You know, so, so why am I going to stay there? It's because they built a system. They're intentional about how I stay engaged in that ministry long term. So yeah. it just this is why we can't be running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Right. And managing rather than leading. The, one of our primary responsibilities as a leader has got to be to think through with intentionality the systems that are going to sustain our ministries yeah. and build them and run them and tool them and perfect them and get better at them, you know, over time. This is why it's so important we say no. Hmm. We shouldn't just say no for the sake of saying no. But we've got to say no to all these good requests and crises and urgent calls to focus on not the tactical, but the strategic to build these systems, to assess these systems. And frankly, it's lazier to just sit around and respond and check my inbox. Has anybody emailed me? Has anybody called me? Does anybody need me? Hmm. Versus sitting down looking at our systems. Yeah and how we build them, and then how we sustain them over time. Sit down, look at our dashboard. How are we doing? Make them better every week. That's the hard work of ministry. And the churches I know that are growing are the most disciplined when it comes to systems. And and, Churches that aren't growing are the most undisciplined churches. Yeah, and and that's hard work because now what you're saying in each of those systems has to be contextualized, that system is going to look different in Seattle than it's going to look in Austin, Texas, than it's going to look in Louisiana, than it's going, you know, so now you've got the hard work of, you know, people kind of to your point of the laziness factor, you read the latest book, you go to the latest conference, you just swipe that system or that language off of somebody's website, you just plug and play and it doesn't work for your context whatsoever. And that's the that's the simple, lazy kind of way out as opposed to doing the hard work of, okay, now I've got to contextualize the system to my area and my people and who they are. I mean, I could be living in that area where they're all millennial. I could also be living in a retirement community. Like now all of a sudden the system looks different. And so the hard work of actually piecing 
all of that together in a way that actually makes sense for my church and, and ministry. Yeah, that's... And that's where the whole process, Stan, really comes back together because I tell churches all the time, it's not going to fix your family ministry to run down to the Orange Conference and purchase all their curriculum. Yeah, yeah. Part, you know, one of the tools that God uses, but we have to come back, apply that through the lenses of our culture, make sure we've got a culture that supports family ministry. Then we have to make sure that we've got the right team in place. Yep. A curriculum and a system is only as good as the leader who's leading it. Right. Yep. <laughs> a vision only has life to the level a leader gives it life and communicates it with passion and clarity and all of that. So we've got to look at all three of these and work on a healthy organization. Yep. The, the, the lazy approach is to run to a conference and purchase everything. Per, to download a video course. You know, that's why the line share, what we do is handholding. You'll know what occurs to lead does. It's handholding. Like we <laughs> want to help leaders walk through, not just the what, yeah, but the how in, yes. in building the, the, the nuts and bolts, those gears of growth and helping them work in unison together. And it gives my life great joy to do that for people and see them get it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, in the last couple of minutes that we've got, why don't you just, um, why don't you point people to how they can either learn more about courage to lead? Um, if there's a, a book or a whatever your social media, just kind of tell people how they find out more about you, what you're doing and uh, how they could connect in with courage to lead. It's all there at courage to lead.com, you know, at Sean Lovejoy on Twitter. I think I'm Sean Lovejoy one on Instagram. So I don't think, you know, Stan, in 20 years of preaching, I ever invited myself to preach anywhere, but we invite ourselves into pastors' lives every day now hmm. because I just believe we can help them uh, between Sundays, I think is our greatest value. And that's yeah. what we try to do for guys. So it's all there, couragetolead.com. Awesome. Well, very good. I'm going to just, I'll throw that website into the show notes and uh, tweet that out so everybody can just jump right to it. And uh, hey, uh, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know you got to go. So um, bye-bye. I appreciate your time today, Sean. Thanks, Stan. I hope I've been helpful, buddy. You have. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later, okay? Thanks, bud. All right. Bye. All right, there you have my conversation with Sean Lovejoy. Thanks, Sean, for taking time to be on the show today. If you haven't had a chance yet, head over to CourageToLead.com. Check out the coaching and uh, some of the stuff that's going on there that Sean's up to. Uh, you could benefit from it and being a part of it, so I want to invite you to head over there and check that out. Uh, hopefully something in our conversation was helpful for you as you're building systems and teams and culture uh, in your own church and ministry. So hopefully there was something you can run with there. Uh, but if not, head over to CourageToLead.com. Take it a step further um, with the coaches uh, that are working there with Sean. Hey, something I just want to ask you guys to do real quick before we get off the show today. If you haven't had a chance to yet, head over to iTunes. Uh, leave this show a review. Uh, give us five stars if you want even and leave a review. It just helps other people kind of find the podcast, other ministry leaders to be able to see what's going on here and to be able to jump in and be a part of this community here at the Stan Rada Podcast. So if you haven't done that yet, that'd mean a lot to me. Uh, head over to iTunes and leave a review. All right, everybody. Thanks so much uh, for taking time to be with us again on the podcast. I cannot wait as we continue to roll uh, through the next few episodes. We have some great stuff coming your way. Uh, so I will catch you all next week right here on the Stan Rada Podcast. Have a great week.